0: Hello, I'm John Kennedy and joining me for this episode of Tape Notes are Tom Misch and engineer Adam Jaffrey to talk about how they recorded and produced the album What Kind Of Music. Tom Mish is a singer, multi-instrumentalist and producer from South London. Growing up in an artistic family, Tom started to play music from an early age, but after discovering hip-hop and the world of J Dilla, he began writing and producing beats from his bedroom. By the age of 16, he was uploading three tracks a week to Soundcloud and one of these, a collaboration with his sister Laura, was picked up and became a viral hit. Tom's first official release came in 2014 and over the following four years, he released two further EPs and two mixtapes, including collaborations with numerous artists such as Carmody, Jordan Rakai and Loyal Karna. Having built a reputation for his combination of smooth, soulful vocals with jazz-influenced guitar, Tom has quickly become one of the UK's most exciting emerging artists, selling out tours in Europe and the US, and gaining over 4 million monthly listeners on Spotify. In 2018, Tom released his debut album, Geography, which included further collaborations with the likes of De La Soul and reached the top 10 of the UK album charts. His latest album, What Kind Of Music?, was released in April this year and sees him joining forces with new British jazz sensation, drummer Youssef Days. Adam Jaffrey is an engineer and producer whose career in music started as bassist for the band Trailer Trash Tracys. Following the release of the band's debut album, Esther, released with Domino Records, Adam turned his hand to the more technical side of music, producing, engineering and mixing records for bands including Palace, Crows, Gengar, and most recently, Kamal Williams. In 2018, he set up Unwound Studios in Deptford, South East London, which has hosted artists including Michael Kuanuka, Robert Glasper, Leanne Le Celeste Slowtie, and many more. Today, once again due to lockdown, I'm at home in Morden, South London, and Tom and Adam join me from Unwound in Deptford to talk about how, what kind of music was recorded and produced. And what better way to start our conversation than by hearing something from the record. This is the title track, What Kind Of Music. What Kind of Music by Tom Mish and Yousef Days? the title track of the album. And I'm very pleased to say that Tom Mish is in a studio on the other side
1: of London. Hello, Tom. Hello, how are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. So where are you? I'm um, currently in a studio in Deptford. This is where I did most of the album. And uh, yeah, man. Excellent. So this is where...
0: What kind of music was created and recorded and with you is adam who engineered the record and worked on the record with you so we should hear from adam because adam's going to join us in our conversation aren't you adam i am, I am. i'm here excellent <laughs> <Very much> here. <laughs> so it's great that you're able to actually get into a studio together this is a first at the moment in, in the current climate now it's, it's really interesting because i mean this is a fantastic collaboration between two people who really only started to talk to each other a couple of years ago however Mm. you did know each other at school or you you saw each other make music at school Uh, can you explain tom
1: yeah we grew up in the same area in southeast london and i've kind of all the kind of local schools you kind of know people growing up in those schools and um yusuf's a few years older than me i remember seeing him in a talent show 10 15 years ago this guy was amazing at drums and then fast forward like how many years, and I realised that was Yusuf. While we are working on the record, I realised he was the guy I saw on the talent show. So, yeah, we've kind of grown up in the same area, but I only met him two years ago, Right. summer 2018.
0: Right, and he came along to the launch party for Geography, your debut solo album. Yeah. Yeah, and so you met him there. You got talking and thought, well, oh, hang on a minute, we should work together. We're thinking along the same lines. Is that how it worked?
1: Yeah, that's pretty much it. We, um, I was aware of his music by that point, his work with Yusuf Kamal mm. and I was a big fan of his drumming and he was really cool and we just said let's get in the studio and we, we just did that basically and then instantly there was like a bit of a musical connection.
2: Yeah,
0: but it wasn't actually until you started working together that you suddenly put two and two together
1: and realised that you'd seen him drum when he was a kid and you were a kid. Yeah, it was kind of just halfway through the record I kind of just had that memory popped into my head and I was like oh I think that was Yusuf. <laughs> it's just a funny little story that I've just kind of told quite a few people about. Yeah But yeah, it's, it's crazy.
0: It seemed a good idea to play what kind of music at the start of our conversation. I mean, not only is it the title track, but in some ways it seems to be the question that you might have been asking yourselves when you started working together. You know, what kind of music are we going to mm. make?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we we weren't really thinking what kind of music we were going to make. We were just doing it, you know. We were just like in the studio and, and we're both musicians. Guitar is my thing and, and drums is Yusuf's thing. And we're just jamming. And mm. there was like, you know, so many ideas were popping up. And we're both into so many different types of music. So it kind of just evolved. You know, before we knew it, we had like six songs and they were all so drastically different. So yeah, we just thought, what kind of music? Yeah, I love it. And uh, so when was that creative period where you got six songs really quickly? Was this back in 2018? I reckon by the start of uh, New Year's Day 2019, we probably had like six tracks or something or six plus. But we never intended it to be an album. We were just linking up without any kind of... Aim, you know, we were just making music and and it just turned out to be to be this album. Yeah, you know, we just kept making stuff and it felt like the right thing to do. I just released my debut album like the year before, and um I just wanted to do something like this.
0: Yeah, and so w- this creative process where you were starting to work together was that in a rehearsal studio? Or was that in this studio in Deptford that you're speaking to me from now?
1: So our first ever session was a studio in Hackney, and I think that was with a bassist called Tom Driesler me, Yusuf and Tom Dries we were just jamming and then I can't remember the exact order but we started using this studio in Deptford, Armwound Studios and then we had another session at this studio in Eastbourne called Echo Zoo where you record everything to tape and we had three days there so a bunch of tracks on the album are from there most of the tracks on the album are from here in Deptford Mm. Um, so yeah And to what level did you work up the songs before you decided to start recording? Because obviously, you know, you were having these jam sessions, just feeling your way. We kind of just recorded pretty much from like one of the first sessions. We'd be recording what we're jamming, you know, um, and messing about. And um, it wasn't like we wrote the music and then recorded it live. It was like we were just jamming and we click record and then ideas come out of that. Right. Basically.
0: Yeah. And so when we listened to the record, you mentioned another Tom was playing bass with you initially in that session in Hackney. Yeah. Are there many musicians on the album as a whole? Or are you doubling up, Tom? Are, are you multitasking? Is Youssef multitasking?
1: Um, yeah, there's a bunch of people involved, but they but really varied from track to track. Like on some tracks, I'd be playing bass. On some tracks, we had Rocco Palladino on bass or Tom Driesler. Um, we really switched it up. We had so many different people. You know, we had a, a guy called Toby Tripp, who's an amazing violin player. He did some stuff guy called Miles who helped at Echo Zoo, did some guitar stuff. So just yet a bunch of people. Yeah, It was really nice to collaborate with different people and, and reach out, I think, cause I normally do my records by myself, but on this record, you know, there are people who are better at me than playing bass. So, so I reached out to them and- um, And the keys? Keys, I did some of the keys. Mm. Some other people did some keys, I think. I can't quite remember the whole process of making the album. It's, it's, it's quite interesting. It was a big experiment. Yeah. And so Adam was there in the recording sessions making sure that it all got
0: down to tape. Yeah. In as understandable a manner as possible. I mean, did Adam join in playing as well or or not? Did
3: um, he join in? I didn't yeah, not on the not on the performance side of things really. Yeah. Um my involvement was kind of pretty fluid really, to be honest. It was like switched up, didn't it, between like yeah. straight up engineering and just being around and Helping Tom out with certain, you know, advice on plugins and yeah. equipment to use as well, and then, and then also doing a bit of writing as well. It was just trying to just have a positive impact on the record, really. Yeah, yeah. In terms of what I could bring, and that that was various things, really.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like I, I, um, I don't normally use a a proper studio like this, so initially Adam was helping me understand how to use all the equipment and stuff. So you had a big role in that sense of just show me what's good, basically.
3: Yeah. And then obviously as well, the a lot of it was. Obviously, real instruments as well. So we had to get that down, didn't we? So yeah. the technical side of it, with you know the way we recorded things with mics and stuff like that, that's where where the bones of my involvement were really on the on the record. Yeah.
0: yeah. So were you taking on a producer role then, Tom? And where did Yousef stand with regard to this? Yeah. Was he happy to kind of let you get on with
1: it? Because obviously, we haven't got Yousef here mm. with us today. Um, yeah, I think I I produced the majority of the record but it depends how you define production you know y- yusuf would say that he sort of assisted produce the record because he was present in the room for mm. for a lot of uh, the sessions and and he'd be telling me you know put more reverb on my snare can you do a bit more of this and that so you could define that as production yeah but i was the one sort of on the laptop dragging and dropping so I'd, i don't know it was a mixture but it was really interesting having his input because, you know, collaborating, you do things differently. I, I, the way we process the drums and stuff was a mixture of what Yusuf wanted, what I liked. And then also Adam kind of saying, this is a way you can achieve that sound. You know, whether that's miking or using plugins and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it w- was a collaboration.
0: Yeah. The first song we're going to look at in detail is Last 100. And can you remember how this started?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um... So this started actually the the bones of the idea was uh me and Yusuf had it was like the end of the day we'd had a long session and before we left the studio I think I was just messing around on the piano and he was on the drums and then I started playing these chords that sound a bit like the Rugrats intro <laughs> and and then I clicked record on uh on my phone just to get the idea down and I've got the initial voice note here actually. Oh excellent. So I could play it so you can hear the the initial idea. Yeah, that would be great. I can't actually play piano, but I'm just about doing it. I'm convinced. It sounds good to me. <laughs> you can hear the idea. Sorry, man, Would you mind just real, real quick, just playing that beat? I just I was going to record on my phone. Yeah, you can kind of hear the the basis of the song. It changed when we when we looked at it. Yeah. So a lot of the record was just things like this, just messing about, just, just shouting stuff out in the room. Which is one of the things
0: that's really great about the record, I think, because it sounds like we can hear that communication going on yeah. between the two of you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and that gives it such a a great intimate yeah. listening experience, I think. you know, It really feels as if you're hanging out with Tom and Youssef while they're creating the music for you. Definitely, you No. Know.
1: definitely. It's funny because some of the reviews were saying how it just sounds like a big jam session and that, you know, a couple of negative reviews and they got it completely right. It was just a big jam session, but people, they often want like a polished product, you know, in in terms of an album. And and this wasn't that, you know, it was kind of like the sketches and the the rough vibe to it. Yeah, personally, I mean, I,
0: I really love that. For me, one of the kind of joys of this album is that you put it on and you're just in that zone, you're in that world that you've created. And it just has this great, feeling as well this feeling that you're both really enjoying what you're each creating because you're both kind of pushing yourselves in different ways I think no and and taking you away Tom from maybe the kind of approaches to songwriting that you might have taken when you put the geography album together
1: yeah definitely I mean Yusuf is his thing is live drumming so he wanted it was kind of a, a mixture of trying to capture that energy and that element of what he does while also trying to make you know bringing what I do which is making a song more song structured thing mm. and writing lyrics and stuff but yeah the session for this track I think Adam and Yusuf had been in the studio for a few days mm. and then I I came in later that night was it was it the next day or was it in the I think it was the second or or third day you just kind of dropped by hadn't you really yeah I think when that voice
3: note was recorded I think I remember you started your coat on you just got in the door
1: <laughs> oh yeah
3: and um you just like I've got this idea and what you hear there on the voice note is pretty much a few minutes after you walked in the door. Really, it was just a very yeah. casual, casual little moment. Really,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I think it was like evening or something. I was, I was quite hungover. And sometimes when when I'm hungover and I go to the studio, it, it's amazing because I'm not thinking too much. I kind of just like, I just forget that I'm hungover basically, and it's, I feel amazing once I start working on music. And we started. Um, yeah, I think I just recorded the piano or something. Yusuf is on the drums. We recorded the bones of it really quickly. Really yeah. quickly, yeah. Yeah. And then I used this Moog filter on my guitar pedal board, mm. which kind of like gives gives me like a wah a wah kind of sound. that I use quite a lot these days. And I uh, use an octave pedal, so my guitar was down. It sounded like a bass, basically going through this right. pedal, and that's the bass you hear on the track. Was just me jamming on that along. Yeah. Um, Maybe we could build this up in this way as you're talking about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me play the the drums to start with. Yeah. And I yeah I like I like the drum sound we got for this. Across the record, um, the drum sound is is quite distorted. That's some, that's a common element um, on all the tracks. And and um, I think we recorded, if I remember correctly, we recorded this one in
3: quite distorted didn't we as well did we um yeah we slammed into a few bits of outboard and stuff and then we took the stems then off the studio computer and Mm. put them onto tom's laptop and then worked the track up from there so the channels already had
0: a bit of vibe before we started could be a risk i mean recording the drums distorted um in the sense that you may may end up having them too distorted and and kind of just being too much
3: we'll tend to not distort every element of it so one technique we used a lot on this record is using a kind of that mic in the in the middle of the kit Mm. which kind of gives like a an image of everything really everything going on and then supplement that mic with other close mics so we'd only be distorting the channel feed from one mic normally we'd still have clean audio from other mics and we'd often duplicate channels as well and so we'd have clean and distorted to go with yeah but um, often, yeah, we'd print out the tracks from Pro Tools with a kind of rough mix on the channels, and then we'd kind of work from that. And if we needed to go back and change something, we'd we'd open up Pro Tools again and, and get the cleaner audio.
0: Yeah.
1: You, you were kind of safeguarding yourself. Mm. But that's something, um, you know, before What Kind of Music, I often program my drums, and um, I'm really inspired by, like, Kay Trenada and a lot of electronic producers who basically just slam their drums, mm. they put overdrive on the master and their drums just slap so it was finding a balance between what Yusuf would sometimes he'd be okay with the distorted sound but sometimes you know he'd want a more kind of natural sounding kit and it's finding that that balance yeah um was interesting and I kind of I just I fell in love with the UAD plugins not to get too nerdy but they're just amazing basically they sort of emulate real analog equipment and Adam sort of helped me to let me know what's good there's one plugin called Thermiculture is it thermiculture thermionic thermionic culture it's the culture vulture culture vulture and that's pretty much on on all the drums throughout the record almost right so that was a lot of fun just cranking that on the master of the drums and just turning up the drive and it sometimes gates the drums a little bit so they they lose a bit of their sustain but it can make them super like punchy and compressed so that was that was something we did quite a lot right i think you can hear that a little bit on these drums maybe it's subtle on, on this track, but you can hear a little bit of the Fermi Fermi Culture Vulture something. <laughs> <laughs> but let me add the uh, the piano and build up the track so you can hear. Yeah. It. So this is just the um, the upright piano in the studio. this is basically the, the basis of the song, the rhythm section. Uh, the bass you hear is the guitar octave down going through the, the Moog auto Right. And then we just um, started adding, adding stuff there's some synthy stuff that we used quite a lot on the record, and this synth called the OP1 mm. that Yusuf showed me. That's amazing, just for finding new sounds and for adding atmospheres on tracks and stuff. You can kind of use that. I loved using the delay, and like changing the, change the the delay time, and it kind of messes up the sound in quite a nice way. So, this is a bit of OP-1 here. Sparkly little sound. Mm. Just little things like this that are quite low in the mix on the tracks, but add a bit of bit of magic. Yeah. And was the OP-1 in the studio? I'd take it to the studio. It's a tiny little, right. little bit of equipment that I'd bring back and forth. Yeah. I think Bon Iver made a whole album on the OP-1, because it's like a sample. You can record into it, so it's like a sort of proper little... It's a cool bit of kit. Yeah. But it was Yusuf who introduced you to it. Yep, yeah, he first had the OP one and he was like, Don't tell anyone about it. It's a secret, <laughs> man. It's a secret. <laughs> like, I don't want people to get to get onto this and then and then I uh I remember they stopped making. they stopped making them, didn't they? they? And then you, you panicked and then bought one off eBay. No, I brought one off a fan. Oh, off a fan, I, That was it? <laughs> I, I put it on my Instagram I said, Has anyone got an OP one to sell me? And then a, a guy drove from Cornwall to the studio to give me the OP one, which was amazing. So wow. free delivery. Obviously, I paid for it, but he gave me a good price.
0: Wow, brilliant. And it's brilliant connecting with your fan base in that way. No, Yeah, it was nice. <laughs> they're kind of aiding and abetting your musical exploration and education, which is fantastic.
1: Yeah, he's a big part of this record, actually. I've never shouted him out. So, thank you. Yeah, Should give him a shout-out, then. Yeah. I can't remember his name. But... <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um, so,
0: all these different elements coming together. And then, I mean... It, You do sing on the track, so
1: did you put the track together and then think, right, I should think about vocals now? So I think pretty much in the first session, once we had the rhythm section down, I remember I was just messing, you know, quite a lot of the record would be I'd just get a mic and sit on the sofa in the studio and just mess around uh, with some melody ideas. And I remember, I think the chorus and maybe even the verse melody was, I had that from the first session, I think. And it was kind of like, a vocally I've been quite inspired by like, a bunch of people recently but i like Tame Parlor's vocals i like the way he does he sings in falsetto and like manipulates his vocals they're quite trippy mm. also Tom York you probably don't hear that in this track but on other tracks on the record but um Yusuf's always been like mess up your vocals you know he likes it when when i put loads of delays and choruses and stuff on my vocals which i hadn't really done before so i'll, I'll play the the lead vocal I'll solo it so you can hear
4: i like you best when is just you and me sometimes it gets
1: you can hear a bit of bleed in there cuz i often just hold I, I often just hold a mic and, and uh, don't even put headphones on i just play it out the the speaker quite low volume right you know so that's how sort of diy the record's been in that sense you know
2: yeah
0: is that because you prefer not having headphones when you're singing
1: yeah, I just think I get a better vibe. Mm. It's almost like I'm playing live. I'm hearing it really low out of the speakers. I turn up my vocal. You do get a bit of bleed, but a lot of the record was this mic I'm talking about right now, which is the RE, RE20 by Electra Voice. Electro Voice, yeah. Right. Otherwise known as the uh, Donkey Dick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, why is it known I don't as know that? that, Adam? <laughs> I don't know. If <laughs> someone told me. <laughs> so it's interesting, I mean, that. Th- um, I mean, you can really hear it on the record as a whole, this experimentation with vocals, because they do sound more trippy, they do sound more dreamy. And that yeah. was partly Youssef's suggestion and also your own interest in that with other artists and hearing that in other artists' work.
1: Yeah, I think it was, you know, the collaboration, Youssef's energy in the room and knowing what he likes, um, it's that thing of collaborating, you, brings out different things in yourself. And mm. I always had that interest in Tame Impala's vocals and. The way Tom York processes his falsetto vocals and stuff like that and it was um just literally going through plugins trying out different settings trying out stuff that sounds cool Adam showed me this this UAD plugin the Korg the delay yeah yeah yeah. the really cool delay it's a digital delay which is with modulation and stuff on it yeah emulates the real analog equipment I use that quite a lot and just just messing around can you illustrate that I don't think I can actually because I don't have a dry one on here yeah, because a lot of these we're not we're not actually playing from the actual session
3: file. We're working from stems because oh, yeah, Tom, Tom lost his um, a lot of files because computer died, didn't it? So yeah, nightmare. We're not able to load the original sessions, but we're working from the stems. Yeah,
1: yeah. So half half of working on this record, I was using a Mac bin which I was bringing to the studio back and forth every day, which is which is really stupid. And then one day, um, it just wouldn't turn on, and I, d- I hadn't backed everything up, so. So that was a real um, low point, yeah. making the record where I lost loads of files and yeah, that w- wasn't great. So I lost quite a lot of the way we'd process stuff, I'd kind of had to like, try and remember what we did. And did you have to re-record then a lot of
3: things? It just meant that things were committed, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> basically, didn't it really? Yeah. But it kind of goes with the to the way the record was made, I think really, because like we were saying earlier on with committing to distortion and various things, it's like it's good because you're treating the channels and the audio as more like samples then, you know, and it's mad what you can still do with something that has been maybe slightly a bit over-processed. You can still make it work. Yeah. And, yeah, it kind of helps stuff glue together, I guess, in that kind of sample, sample-based sample mm. way. Yeah.
0: It's interesting, isn't it, because it seems to me that uh, these songs and these recordings were led by physical performance and actual performance of the two of you. Yeah. But then you, you kind of did that and then... It sounds like you had further fun by kind of going with certain decisions about certain processes and certain ways of treating both drums and vocals and guitar to create yeah. something else entirely. So it's, it's like you had two layers of fun somehow. So you had the fun of playing in the room together yeah. and enjoying yeah, yeah. the different things that you were doing and then you know walking away from that, returning to what you recorded that day and then having further yeah. fun messing it yeah. up
1: in a way I've never I've never thought about that actually the double fun yeah 100% because part of the joy of this record is playing with such a good musician just Yusuf is like one of the best drummers in the world mm. so it's like such a adrenaline rush to play with him and then yeah it's different in the studio that's a yeah it's a different thing that's probably why it was so you can hear kind of how fun the record was to make because it really was quite fun <laughs> <laughs> I know it's always it, it, it always seems funny
0: Using the word "fun" to describe these things, because obviously, you no know, music is regarded as very serious. It's very important, and these are artistic yeah. statements. and you know they're they're heavyweight and meaningful, mm. and they have terrific mm. resonance, mm. and you want them to have an impact on people. But at the same time, it's about having fun and and that interaction between you all. You know, and that's what really, inspires you and excites you. And as you were saying yourself, Tom, only a few minutes ago, that you, know, you can walk into something with a hangover, but the very act of starting to play mm. makes you forget about the hangover and you just yeah. get lost in what you're doing.
1: 100%, yeah. Some tracks on the record are literally just us jamming, clicking record, and then they become the tracks on the record. Like on, in Julie Mango's, that's a combination of one day where we just jammed loads of different stuff. And then I just spliced them together yeah, yeah, that was pretty much just like monitor
3: mix straight off the desk, yeah, and then Im- imported into a new project file along with other monitor mixes off the desk, and then mashed together to create a medley, wasn't it? Yeah. So there wasn't really much multi-tracking at all. Yeah. On those ones.
0: Yeah. So we should move on from last 100, but maybe we should hear last 100 as it was eventually realised, or a, a little section of it. Um, before we go on to our our second track from the record but it's interesting also that you know as you say adam some tracks recorded straight away and kind of almost left untouched or just tidied up or whatever and then other tracks like the ones we're looking at today were more involved with the production side and more experimental in that way
1: yeah i think it was finding a balance of giving a nod to to the people who love musicians you know the, the musos who love Yusuf and the stuff that he does and making sure they get their bit but also trying to widen the audience for that genre and and make an album that's really musical but also accessible mm. but yeah let me play the track
0: I mean, the way he... <laughs> there's such momentum in what he does, you know, when it, just hearing those. Uh, I, yeah. It's, and it's so controlled, isn't it? Because it's not like a Keith Moon explosion. You no, know, it, it's yeah, really I mean. interesting how he... it seems more like Tony Allen or something like that. Um, the way yeah. Tony Allen keeps things moving all the time and you don't know where the one is, as it were.
1: 100%. Yeah, he's a force.
0: You may have heard us talk about Tape It before, and if you haven't, then let me fill you in as they are the sponsor of today's episode with a fantastic offer for you. Tape It is an iPhone recording app made by musicians for musicians. Many of our guests on Take Notes, music industry friends and listeners rely on voice notes to record their early ideas. People like the Lumineers, Ezra Collective and Fred again have all shared recordings with us made on voice notes. But what you wouldn't have heard are the long pauses where they're searching for those recordings. We wouldn't want to put you through that. As you can understand, organising and finding the right notes, let alone a specific part, can be a nightmare. Tape-It solves all of that voice memo chaos with intuitive labelling features, including automatic instrument detection, markers and collaborative mixtapes, meaning you can share band practices, organise set lists and brainstorm ideas with co-writers and band members. Plus, you can record straight from your lock screen and attach text and photo notes to each recording. One of our favorite features within It Pro is that you can record in stereo using two microphones along with gentler dynamic compression to give a much more natural sound than any of the usual apps. It's a huge upgrade to the microphone and all-round audio quality. It really helps support the podcast whenever you engage with our sponsors. So if Tape It sounds like an app you'd use, then do us a favor. Pause the episode, head to the link in a recent episode show notes, or visit tape.it forward slash Tape Notes and give Tape It a go. That's tape.it forward slash Tape Notes. You can download for free or use the promo code Tape Notes for 50% off Tape It Pro. Thank you. And now on with the show. Did you do it? Honestly, Tape It is fantastic. All of the Tape Notes team members are complete converts and excitingly, some of our guests have started to use it as well. So I really would recommend checking it out. And we're going to move on to another track called The Real now. This reminds me more of of hip-hop production, I suppose.
1: Yeah, we have a lot of similar influences. We both love uh, a lot of hip-hop. We love Radiohead. And then there are some stuff that I'm not into that he's into and vice versa. Mm. So it was just finding those middle points. And um, this one, there was a day where I had a session with Loyal Karner in summer 2018. And Yusuf, he came down and um, he recorded some drums for Loyal. That's a track called Angel that's on Loyal's album. And then Loyal left the studio and uh, me and Yusuf carried on working and we... I think that evening we got drums for like three tracks on the album. So the drums for mm. What Kind of Music, The Real, and something else. What was it? I can't remember, but something was else a lot, on a the lot album. Got, a lot got tracked that day, and that
3: was the first day you'd been to the studio. Was I that think. the first day? I think so, the day with Ben, yeah. Yeah. That was the first time you'd been there.
1: Yeah, okay. So that day there was a bunch of drums recorded, and um, fast forward like a few weeks, I'm, I'm at home my mates round and we're just messing around making some beats and then I got up the drums for a little section and chopped the drums that Yusuf played and um, started chopping this Aretha Franklin sample, which I'll play now. Which is lovely. It's really nice to sample. It was obviously a beautiful track. Yeah, it's great to hear the uh, original and before we hear what you did to it. Definitely. And then I basically just chopped it up a bit. Um, I'll play you what the sample sounds like now. it's kind of slowed down a little bit, pitch shifted up. I guess you could say it's inspired by kind of Kanye West, his beats. Yeah. Where he chops like old soul records and stuff like that. So yeah, that's the sample. And here's the drums.
0: It's an interesting technique though, isn't it? So you slowed it down, but pitched it up. So the vocal sounds sped up. Yeah. No, you know, like say if we think of, uh, you know, other ways in dance music or drum and bass or whatever, you know, the way that's been used as a technique, but you've actually slowed it down before you pitched it up. I, I think that's an interesting bit of information.
1: Yeah, definitely. It wasn't like a... I wasn't thinking about it much. It kind of just... Yeah. Yeah, there was no like theory in that. It kind of just, you know, it just... Just messing around, and then there's a bit of overdrive on the sample, so it sounds a bit crunchy. The
3: drums are just two mics on this one. Oh yeah! In fact, to be honest, all the initial sessions generally were just a one mic in the middle and then a kick drum, and that was it.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, the drums for what kind of music? The real and um. What's that track on Lowell's album? Angel. Angel is literally just two mics. So one, yeah, one kick drum mic and then one mic that sits sort of a mono near the snare and a hi-hat.
3: Right. Yeah, it's kind of like carefully kind of balancing somewhere in the middle of the kit out of the way of the drumsticks, just about. Yeah.
1: It's great for me because I don't really know how to mix live drums particularly well before this record it was quite scary when you get like 20 stems mm. of like overhead left right this and that mm. and this was just two stems kicking in overhead and um sometimes you get a punchier sound if there are less mics yeah because it's kind of more of like a mono sound and w- would you get some of the kick in that middle mic as well
3: not much because um yeah it's, it's kind of above the shell and obviously the, the pattern of the microphone is important as well like it's mainly getting what's in front of the mic, not behind. Yeah. So yeah, the kick is there, but it's mainly the attack, not the fundamental note. So then the kick mic then is kind of supplementing that.
1: Yeah, let me play the the two different drum parts. So this is the mono. So you actually get quite a lot of the whole kit there in terms of the frequencies you're getting. Yeah. It's obviously just slammed. I've just got an overdrive on and just slammed it. Yeah, the distortion's bringing out the kick That's true, yeah. Let me turn off the... It's way quieter, but you can hear it just sounds a bit more natural there. Yeah. And then that's one of the distortions then. I've been playing around with a lot of different distortions. Like there's the Logic Overdrive. There's um, the Neve preamp plugin where I just slam the, the preamp and then there's the culture vulture which is another one that was used quite a lot. Yeah. And then here's the kick, together.
3: That mic technique kind of really worked, it helped um, with the speed of the project really, you know it was super quick and easy to set up when we wanted to track new stuff That's true. Um, and it was also super quick. To edit in logic or in tools and it also had a vibe as well because it's just a very simple simple setup so it kind of like it helped the creative process really not not sitting around setting up millions of mics yeah Um, yeah that's true there's a bit of a trade-off in terms of like what you can do with it then yeah but Yusuf's got such a great tone anyway on his kit and and the way he plays kind of kind of makes up for any shortfall in in infidelity from using millions of mics
1: yeah I think that's a good point, yeah. However you record Yusuf, it always generally sounds pretty good, just from such a good drummer. It's amazing how just, just an amazing drummer hitting the drum compared to amateur hitting the drum makes such a difference in the tone and the feel and the vibe. Mm. So that was really interesting throughout the record, seeing that.
2: Yeah.
0: And so with this track, you, mean you had that the drums
1: and you had the sample. Yeah. And what what did you decide to do after that? So... I added some guitar. This is nice because it's kind of when I started making beats, I I was making I was really inspired by Jay Diller and I was just making stuff in my bedroom, instrumentals and keeping them interesting by adding melodies. I wasn't singing on them, and this was kind of like me going back to how I started mm. making music. So So yeah, there's a bit of a there's a synth bass that you can hear here. Comes in really fat. Um, and then there's this guitar part, which is quite ethereal and, and uh, spacey. I think originally we wanted to get uh, No Name on this. Um, it's an amazing rapper. Yeah. But that never happened, so I tried singing on it. You
4: tell me now I can do anything When I think I'm done and you say you're better than I can do anything
1: My vocals are really um lo fi on this. I've basically taken out all the sounds like a telephone kind of vocal. Take out all the low end. Right. They nearly weren't there at all, these vocals,
3: or I remember you kind of finished the track yeah and I remember you playing it to me and it was like it was just instrumental <laughs> what, you just couldn't hear them you no know, no you taking them out i the take vocal. them out and then I remember I remember us sitting in there and being like wait a minute where's the, where's the vocal gone <laughs> but it's so good it really works on the like it sits right bang in the middle of the track yeah and like everything goes quiet and you're just kind of concentrating on your vocal I think it's a really important part of this tune and, and where it sits on the album as well I'm glad it ended up
1: coming back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, um, I had a session with a songwriter called Egg White and, um, he put down some piano, which you can hear, which is really nice. And the lyrics are actually Egg's lyrics. Right. You were specifically working on this song with Egg? I just, I, I had a few, a few days booked with Egg and, um, I was in the process of working on this album and um, we write together sometimes. Mm. And he said he's got this song that, he, that he's not using and the lyrics work really well with the track. Yeah,
0: well, they're, they're kind of encouraging, aren't they, the words? You know, I listen to them yeah. and think, you know, that's it's great. It's like you're reassuring somebody or, or you know, mm. using somebody's reassurance to you. And I'm a big fan of that. I think it's important that we hear these words of encouragement in our in our lives. So to hear them within the song... Mm. And hear them within yeah. the track. No, it, it's yeah, a yeah. nice sentiment that you get across.
1: Definitely. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> and it's
0: yeah, but it's also not what you expect because I think that you're right. I mean, in terms of using the sample and and the way that you use the drums, and you know, mm. it can be regarded as a a, a hip hop track. It could be a a Jay Diller thing. It could be a Kanye thing. But then to have you sing yeah. in it makes it different again. Very soft vocals. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's quite a personal moment in that. In the, it feels like a personal moment in that. Feels personal, quite, you know, yeah. Like, kind of like, quite candid. You know, like, kind of talking quite directly to the listener in that
0: bit.
1: Yeah, it's very singing, very close to the microphone, very intimate, which I really like recording that way.
0: Yeah, because it is quite different to Geography, isn't it? In in many ways, this record, because Geography goes for the the big songs, as it were, for want of a better <laughs> phrase, mm. and this is more abstract. It's more mood,
1: and feel, somehow. Yeah, I think Yusuf's influence, you know, trying to keep it more instrumentals and more experimentation, you know, resulted in what it is. Yeah. I'm also into different stuff now. I think that's just natural, you know, the evolution of you grow older, you listen to different things, and that will affect what you make. So it's just a different stage as well.
0: Yeah, it's just interesting thinking about it in terms of geography and in terms of the trajectory of Tom Mish artist right you no know, because i think that to a certain extent some people would have said oh no you can't do that yeah yeah but you have and mm. personally i think it's great because you can't second guess what tom Mish is going to do yeah but i th- i think there might have been some pressure on you to deliver what might have been expected
1: yeah maybe i think the fact that it was a collaboration album took away a, l- a lot of that pressure because it wasn't tom ish was Tom Mission, use of days yes so if people don't like it then you know it's it's a collaborative thing but i think there'll be pressure on my next solo record, potentially, you know, yeah. But yeah, I, it's really mixed feelings on this record. You know, a lot of my diehard fans were like, "Oh, we want another Geography." Yeah, but I just don't. I just don't see the point in making the same record twice. Well, you know? I, I'm totally with you. I mean, for me, as
0: somebody who loves following artists and their trajectories and seeing how they change and evolve, in some ways, those fans who love Geography will be all the happier when they get something that is akin to Geography.
1: I think so. Yeah, I just want to try keep it interesting. Mm. Try doing different stuff, and I do have a lot of different interests musically. Um, one thing I want to do is an, is like a more acoustic sounding record, but I'm always tempted to add drums. I just love drums, so it's always it's hard to keep away from drums. But that would be a good challenge to make a record without drums. And it's
0: interesting yeah. that that collaboration approach to things. You know, so say you collaborate with Youssef, you collaborate with Loyal, you collaborate with Michael, you're happy to collaborate with other songwriters such as Egg White as well. That's a, mm, you know, yeah. it's, it's such an open-minded approach, but you also see the value of it.
1: Yeah, I think um, if you're ever stuck creatively, collaboration is the best thing you can do because it just gets you out of your headspace mm. and it, and you evolve as an artist when you collaborate. Working with Yusuf on this record meant that everything I make from now on will be influenced by this record. So it's, it's an, yeah, I think it's always important, not for everyone, you know, a lot of people work by themselves and happily do that. Yeah. And quickly to add, I think also a lot of the records that I like these days did involve a lot of people, you know, and I like a lot of old soul music and where they'd use these amazing studios and they'd have amazing engineers and the musicians were top notch. And I feel like that you have to be collaborating to do that. A lot of people involved in those records. So if I want to make something in that elk, I have to work with different people yeah so with the reel
0: how did you realize when the reel was finished then
1: this one was quite tricky working out when to it it feels unfinished to me even now to Mm. be honest but i think it was you know it was almost like had i got the verse down you know rounding it up with that guitar riff that comes before my verse and after my verse and i think this i quite like how short this one is you know it's just like a little snapshot on the record yeah but, you know, I, I think it's also thinking about what you have in the record and, and what isn't there as well. I think this was done quite far into the process, so it's kind of, I knew I wanted to get a sort of hip-hop sampling vibe in. Yeah, yeah, you were kind of looking for that as a contrast to some of the other things that you'd already
0: got.
3: Yeah, yeah. exactly. I guess the arrangement on this one just is maybe a little less conventional, with they? The A and the B section, isn't it? It's kind of yeah. like it's got this kind of bit in the middle, this kind of eye of the storm bit, you know? Yeah.
1: Um, it's not the classic verse chorus structure. It's like something different. Yeah. Partly because sometimes writing another verse is, is just really long. <laughs> That's nice to just have one verse. Yeah. Even though I didn't write this verse, but yeah. I like that honesty and I like that approach. I mean, <laughs> it, it seems
0: refreshing. You know. And maybe we should hear this little middle section that you're referring to, Adam. If we could just said so, so that people can hear that. When mm. you tell me
4: now, I can do anything. When I think I'm yeah. done, and you say you're better than that, I can do anything. And if it doesn't work out, don't mind. Don't If it doesn't work out, that's fine, that's fine
0: So that's The Real. And the third song I'm going to look at is Night Rider, featuring Freddie Gibbs, um, which is different again. And I love these background vocals that you've got going through the whole thing, these oohs. Are they
1: all you, Tom? Mm, they are, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So how did this one start? So this one um, was from the three days that me and Yusuf and Tom Driesler were in Echo Zoo in Eastbourne, Miles James engineered it. Uh, I remember the first day we didn't record anything because he was micing up the drum kit for like most of the day. So he spent about literally seven hours micing up the drum kit. I remember being really annoyed because I wanted to get recording. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's a really nice sound. So it was a different approach, and and everything was recorded to tape. Um, yeah, it was a different experience, really. Yeah, yeah. It, that's interesting to
0: hear, especially in contrast to. What you were just explaining with regard to the reel and the the, the two mic setup and the idea that yep. you, know, you can set that up and get on with it quite quickly yeah so um, was Yusuf involved in that setup Would he say no 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 we can't
1: put that there We we need to be have it over here or anything like that mm, No, not really. I think we talk about the kind of sound we're going for. Mm. You know, a lot of referencing records and and referencing like different sounds stuff like that and. Um, and this was just uh this is just us jamming basically this is i think this might have been later that that evening on the first day and we just started jamming and and basically recorded like you know an hour of of jamming different stuff and this was um this is something that i i later arranged chopped up stuff for us kind of verse chorus vibe and and we made it a song but i'll play the i'll play the drum sound because i'm really fond of the drum sound yeah, this is like 10 mics or something, quite a lot of mics. It's a really dry, punchy sound I love. Yeah, we were just playing on this groove for, for a while, really. Yeah. Um, and I think a reference for the drums was uh, this Bill Withers track called Use Me right and the drums sound quite similar to the drums on this yeah and i was playing this just these two guitar chords going through this um this guitar pedal i have called the lo-fi junkie it basically compresses it lo-fi's it and has this kind of wavy feel sort of like pitch shift thing it does and i'll play that now so i was just literally playing two chords And then what we did is we um, put a stereo delay on this, which I'll add now. Both versions are kind of wavering at different points And this is pretty much the basis of the whole song. And then Tom Drieslivers came in with this bass line. Yeah, this is a result of us jamming, For we were just jamming for ages and, and I chopped up to make the, the structure of the song. Yeah. Yeah. And we did a of overdubs. Yeah, we recorded a bunch of stuff on top. I'll play this. Uh, this is Toby Tripp, he plays violin, he came down for a day and um, we did these kind of... These kind of violin delay stuff across the whole record i've done a lot of vinyl fake vinyl stops which sounds like the vinyl player is being slowed down it's just an effect that i used him plucking the violin it's got loads of delays and reverbs on it's just creating like an atmosphere why did you want to go with a violin you know what made you think of getting toby in well i've kind of always got violins on my records i, I played violin was the first instrument that i started playing so mm. it's part of my palette when i'm making music i always think add some violin yeah um and you can do some quite trippy stuff on the violin which not many people do with toby's really good at that way you just can hold a note and then slowly sort of slide down or up and you know mess that up with post-production and stuff which is quite cool but yeah and how did you
0: make that switch from violin to guitar because guitar's an important part of the mm. tom mish sound and an important part of who you are i mean at right what age did you make that change and then you know and what kind of inspired that and what what steps did you take to further it you know who were those musician mentors that you might have been listening to on record that were mm. taking you on a journey somewhere
1: Um, Well I started playing guitar when I was like three or four my dad plays sorry I started playing violin when I was three or four my dad plays the violin and he used to force me to play the violin I remember that and then when I was about nine my sister got her electric guitar and I I just started messing around on that and I really fell in love with the guitar more than the violin which I I never really wanted to practice but my dad would kind of make me do it Um, and the guitar was just a lot cooler I guess you know no one really wants to be playing the violin at that age you know it's not really a cool instrument I guess and the guitar was was a lot more fun and then I yeah I was obsessed with like John Mayer I've been obsessed with John Mayer throughout my teenage years yeah so he's a big influence for me as a guitarist um George Benson I kind of got into jazz I like George Benson and, and people like that Wes Montgomery yeah yeah there's a bunch of influences but also like Robert Glasper is a piano player influenced my guitar playing. In what way? Um, I think I've always loved chords and harmony and, and Robert Glasper had something really nice going on with his chords you know, the way he plays piano, his choice of notes. And the, that was kind of, I got into Diller and then I got into Robert Glasper around a similar time. And they, you know, he's very influenced by Diller. So it's this whole world that I was discovering of like neo soul music and R and B. And I remember Black Radio was released around that time, and that was, like, quite a big in- influential album for me. So, yeah. Interesting. Interesting combination of sounds and
0: interesting interesting directions that they took you on, in a way. You no, know, quite a different combination of people. And also, like, you've mentioned Radiohead, but, yeah. you know, this is way out of the Radiohead zone, isn't it? You know, all, all those different people.
1: Yeah, the different eras. The Radiohead thing's more recent. You know, it, it was, like, Red Hot Chili Peppers when I was, like, 10, 11. Then it was discovering jay diller along with john mayer so they would kind of came around at similar t- actually maybe john mayer was before jay diller and, and robert glasper but then yeah the whole jazz thing i started making beats and i really got into old school hip-hop and stuff like that and then radiohead is more of a recent thing right yeah so you what you work with those guys so you just got to work with radiohead now <laughs> yeah yeah that's true yeah i've had, I had a session with robert glasper recently which was really cool wow fantastic yeah
0: that was magical. So, with you on guitar and him on piano, just
1: yeah, working away together in the studio. Yeah, yeah, just messing about. He was in London for a bit, so he came to the studio and we just kind of jammed, which was really exciting. That must have been a yeah. kind of pinch me moment. It really was. It really was. Yeah, but it's funny when you start jamming with someone and you're and you're not talking to them anymore. It, you kind of forget who they are. It's it's just the music sort of thing, which mm. is quite interesting. But that was that was very cool.
0: Yeah, that's great. It's interesting though because. I mean while on some tracks on this r- album you no know, you do kind of let yourself go crazy on the guitar but there's a lot of restraint on this record and on a lot of the tracks that we've been talking about yeah you no know, you don't feel as if right no I have to put some mad licks yeah. on on every single yeah, song yeah 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 you know you clearly don't have I mean you can if you want mm. but you clearly don't feel that way in terms of how you approach what you're doing
1: yeah There are tracks like that on the record, like Liftoff or Kiev, that are kind of trio vibes where we're all kind of just doing our thing on our instruments. But yeah, I mean, the rest of the record was was more of, I think of myself, more as a songwriter and making the song as opposed to just, you know, taking a long guitar solo. Yeah. But yeah, it's that balance. And Yusuf kind of takes that role, I think, on the album. He kind of, for me, he takes that role as the virtuosic musician,
0: you know. So almost by collaborating with him and by creating this record together, then you help kind of shine the light on that aspect of him and you can think yeah. about other
1: things. So it's kind of freeing you up. It did, yeah. I was thinking about production a lot of the time and, and soundscapes and stuff like that, less than guitar parts. Yeah. You know.
0: And so with Night Rider, yeah. I mean, you, you sing, but you also get Freddie Gibbs involved. Yeah. And when did you decide it'd be a good idea to have somebody like Freddie get involved?
1: Um, we would we kind of had a list of people we were potentially going to get on and then Yusuf said he... I think he'd sent some, some drums to Freddie before or something. So he reached out to Freddie mm. and then uh, Freddie just sent back a verse and it was cool. I think it really contrasts the track. You know, it's a really smooth track and then you have Freddie who's quite like... He's sort of aggressive as a rapper. I was, I've was actually discovered Freddie during this record. Right, I didn't really know his stuff beforehand but Yusuf's always been a big fan. And great thing about working with other people you know they can introduce you to new people and yeah new ideas exactly let me play uh some of the vocals on this track because that's quite interesting i got
4: a feeling that won't calm down can't do it long. To the fat of the land, this is where we go.
1: So yeah, loads of delays and stuff. Um, One thing throughout the record, I was using this UAD uh, tape emulation plugin called Oxide, and I'd overdrive my vocals into this plugin, it would basically act as a limiter, but also like crunch it up a bit, and I really like the effect of using this mic, the RE20, with that plugin and it, um, it saturates it and brings out some of the higher EQs sort of like shine through and uh, I did that in pretty much every song Right
4: I got a feeling that won't calm down Can't do it alone
1: So it's re- it really makes it present in the mix it kind of brings it forwards I'll take you to the fat
4: of the land This is where we go
1: yeah so me adam and yusuf wrote this one
4: top down with the cruise control lights out with the radio on it's crazy
3: yeah i had to kind of like that track william devaughn thankful for what
1: you've got had this kind of imagery of this you know this car yeah i kept referencing the 80s tv show night rider yeah there's a trailer for that with this like beautiful imagery of this car going off into the sunset in the desert loads of kind of like orangey colors and stuff and that was a constant reference for me with this one cuz I
0: was listening to the words thinking you know so the night rider arrives and you just have to go with the night rider yeah I was trying to picture the scene trying to work out what's going on why does he have to go <laughs> with the night
1: rider it's just kind of fun lyrics to yeah. interpret as you want just like could be a chase. It's a
3: good times tune that's quite positive. I remember there was points when we were working on lyrics. I remember Yusuf saying uh we need to like the lyrics are a bit Debbie Downer. he used to say, <laughs> We we need to we need them to be a bit more alpha. Yeah, you could say that. And uh this track kinda like it's a bit more celebratory, I think, the lyrics, isn't it? It's a bit more kinda like yeah it's not a love song or anything it's yeah like it's driving around having a good time and
1: yeah it's funny whenever i try and go down like writing a sort of love song or something he'd often want it to be uh of a point of view of winning right not having been missing your girlfriend you know you don't want to do that it's more like she's missing you kind of thing <laughs> but yeah it's interesting yeah because um, normally i just kind of go with what i want but you, you can't do that when you're collaborating with someone on an album there's good compromising lots of compromising and finding a middle ground yeah so, I mean, what you're saying, Adam, is that you kind of talked about the lyrics
0: together. So you had this great track and you're trying to work out what's the vibe? What are we going to be singing about here? What's the subject? And and you kind of all had this discussion. I
3: mean, yeah, there was a couple. I remember there's another track we worked on called Number 13, which is like probably the unlucky one, isn't it? Because it didn't, it didn't make the record. But <laughs> yeah. we were just working on... On some lyrics on that and um often tom has like placeholder lyrics where he's, he's getting the melody and addiction down but nonsense with, lyrics with placeholder lyrics and yeah. um and it was a kind of process of subtracting those placeholder lyrics and giving some meaning to them but yeah. you know, keeping the flow and addiction all the all the same because the melody was kind of built into the placeholder lyrics so yeah and then yeah you kind of get a visual idea of what the song means or yeah, where it takes the- you and and then that conversation I described earlier on was like something, you know, once it's been done, once the lyrics have been written down and committed, then you've got an idea of what it is. And then you kind of work out, oh, is this working? Is it not?
1: Yeah. Often when I'm recording those like initial just nonsense lyrics, phonetically, they're things that I like to sing because it just is what came out naturally. So mm. I often end up kind of shaping the, the words around those kind of sounds that I'm making. There are certain sounds phonetically that I always like singing. So that's another aspect of writing.
0: Yeah. Which could be a challenge Because then you, while you like singing them Trying to find the right words that you want to sing yeah. With those sounds could be a hard task And I guess that's why yeah. you can turn to other people and say well, Now what can I put here? Exactly, yeah Excellent So um, where should we uh, carry on with Night Rider? What else do we need to hear?
1: What other ingredients? Let me play um, some other guitar parts on this track This is a part that Miles James did This is in the chorus. I think that was through the
3: play through the eventide, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, he came with some. He, he came some down to the studio kit. with a
3: box of toys in the back of his car and um. Yeah. Yeah, some synths and uh, some like modulation units and stuff and. Yeah. Just played through a load of outboard.
1: Yeah, that was really good. I, like that's the thing about collaborating. I wouldn't have thought of a part like that in a chorus, but just you know, working having different minds on the project. He he brought that part. Yeah, but yeah, that's pretty much that for this track. So there are a couple of
0: repeat questions that we like to ask people. But before I ask them, let's have a blast of the master from Night Rider. I mean, maybe a little bit of the section with Freddie Gibbs would be nice to hear, seeing as we've been talking about Freddie.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top down with the cruise control. Lights out with the radio on. It's crazy.
1: Russell Elevado mixed um, this track amongst some other stuff on the record. He's, he's mixed a lot of records that I love. He mixed like all D'Angelo's stuff, a lot of the sulquarians that group, mixed a lot of their stuff and uh, he uses all analog gear, kind of suited this track, Yeah. really warmed it up in the final mix. Yeah,
0: and helped create yeah. that kind of gin and juice, riding along in the car kind of feel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah,
3: should I bless the track and let it breathe? Yeah, I need to so I forgot to hit my knees. Yeah. Freddie Cain clocking overseas Ice minus yeah. 4 degrees yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how oh it yeah. is Sad shit, round you Sit your bitch on the round trip Niggas put ribbed diamonds And fake ass rollies That's clown shit Every whip I wish it the German made over town yeah. Super dope, my geek is more medium Proper towns in the pounds. Beat me the window shoppers, they brown. But they don't be yell, I with BBs in mama down. Make it understand it, the gangster shit run the planning, kept a canning. Even when I was down and out, I was wild, I
0: was wild. And when you sent Freddie the track, how how finished was it? Had you just left space for him, or did you just send him the groove?
1: It was pretty much finished actually, yeah. We'd left uh a space for him at the end and there were bits and bobs to do after that, but I think it's pretty much finished in terms of the arrangement
0: and what's it like when you ask or reach out for those guest appearances is there a certain trepidation or did
1: you just know Freddie would come up with something good you kind of have no idea really but if you like their stuff you can uh you can have a better idea i guess you can kind yeah. of predict what they're going to do but i knew i kind of wanted a vibe like that on the record and Freddie was a guy to go to um i think because he's worked so much with mad lib mm. On projects, and I love Madley's production, and they're kind of often like old soul records chopped up, and and he really works on that kind of stuff. So I knew he'd he'd do nicely on this one. Yeah, yeah, it works a treat, doesn't it?
0: So as I mentioned, there are a couple of questions we like to ask people. One is about advice. Have you ever received words of wisdom? that have stayed with you that you would pass on to other people? Or have you got to the stage where you are at now and learned a few Mm. things that you would like to pass on to people?
1: I think something I've learned from my experience releasing a few projects is kind of go with your gut feeling with the music, you know, and and, uh, sort of ideas within the music. I think try and hold on to your initial, not your initial ideas, but your... Your vision you know because I think you can often have a lot of opinions and and I think it's important you sort of maintain your vision of it you know Mm. as an artist so that's something I'm I'm going to try and do more moving on just make sure I sort of stand my ground with how I want things to to sound yeah what about you Adam do you have words of wisdom from
0: your position
3: yeah I remember someone once said to me it was James Ford actually he said he said you got to ride the wave and um that kind of resonates with me a bit because I think in this game sometimes you get a wave and then a bit of a calm and then another wave comes along and just having that perspective that you know when the wave comes you get on it and you ride it and then you wait for the next one it doesn't you know it's a cyclical business this and just got to appreciate appreciate the waves <laughs> without sounding
0: cheesy you know what I mean it's about seeing the long game in that yeah very interesting so the other question that we like to ask people is about equipment and whether you have a favorite piece of kit and one of the great things about the conversation we've been having today is that you've really gone into which bits of kit you've been using to achieve certain effects which has been really really interesting and very revealing as well you know sometimes people like to play their cards close to their chest and don't like to share those secrets um, like Youssef yeah, was yeah, talking yeah. about the OP-1. Don't don't tell anybody about the OP-1. But I think that's a and well-known... I did the
2: opposite.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, it's a well-known tool. A lot of people mention the OP-1 um, in yeah. our, the conversations we have on Tape Notes. But, I mean, do you, is there a, a go-to piece of kit that you always like to turn to? Or is it project-specific? You know, it seems to me that with what kind of music, this album, that there were certain things that you turned to or are there things beyond that that you always like to use?
3: <laughs> I don't know well, Yeah for me it's an easy question to answer I've got this one box It's this uh, tape echo Or the dyna chord I don't really use it for the echo actually I use it more Just for the preamps on the way in Like the, the EQ and the kind of warmth That it gives Whatever you put through it I actually got it off A friend of mine called Quinn Who claimed it was John Paul Jones's <laughs> It belonged to John Paul Jones I don't know if I believe him or not But um. I, <laughs> Yeah, he said that he went out with John Paul James's girlfriend back in the day or something. John Paul James's daughter, sorry. No, very different. <laughs> two very different things. Um, and uh, yeah, so I had this sampler, this EMU E6400, I wasn't using, and I swapped it for this box. And uh, I've used it on most records that I've worked on ever since, really. It's just yeah. a great character box. And um, it's got a, a story associated with it, which potentially isn't true. But, but yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll still tell people the story. <laughs>
0: So, Tom, what do you think? I mean, it, is there a guitar, for instance? I mean, some, some musicians yeah. say, look, I am this, you know, the, the piano, this keyboard, this guitar yeah. that they always use. And in some ways they can't imagine what they're doing without that.
1: Uh, for me, I think it would probably change. It's not a lifelong bit of kit. But right now, over the last few years anyway, it's been the Moog Fuga MF-101 guitar pedal which um, has kind of become a bit of my signature sound. Not many guitarists use it. It's normally like a bass plug. Well, it's a low pass filter basically, but it's got this amazing um, envelope resonance kind of cut off thing. So you can get this amazing sound basically, this this wah sound, which is um, really warm. Yeah. So I can play something from the record that I used it on. That would be great. If you've got it handy. Should I do that? Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. Cool, so I'll play the part where you hear that guitar pedal in use on this song Last 100
4: I I you, I do.
1: you can hear that that melody there that's it right so there it is but you can hear that throughout on on liftoff I use it uh, throughout the whole song pretty much yeah and if you drive into it it sounds really It kind of distorts and sounds really nice Excellent. And is that yeah. something you're able to do on stage as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I take it everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Excellent.
0: Um, thank you so mm-hmm. much for sorting this out and making this happen with you in Deptford and me in another part of South London via the wonders of, of our online world. On another occasion, we'd have come into the studio and, and hung out with you there, especially yeah. because that is the place that helped give us what kind of music. Very exciting. I'm going to... suggests that we play out with liftoff i mean it's a real showcase of of the other side of the record in a way isn't it of the the trio as you described it the jazz trio version of this collaboration between you and youssef and it it just sounds fantastic thank you to adam thank you to tom thank you Uh, thanks for having us here is liftoff then this is tom mish and youssef days Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have a moment, do tell your friends and leave us a review. It all really helps. Thanks to those of you who have already donated to the show. I'm just one part of the team that brings you Tape Notes. It relies on your support. If you'd like to donate, please head to our website. To ask a question on a future episode or find out who's coming up, head to our socials and on Instagram, you can see pictures from the recording sessions for each episode of Tape Notes. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.